themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year in Golden State. from the clutch i go by the name of smart alex i'm here with my brother from another c grand what's good and we return with another edition of views from the clutch as always we'd like to take a moment out to say thank you to our supporters listeners and subscribers if you would like to join them you can do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms we're hosted on apple music spotify music so on and so forth drop in give us a review you can reach us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Facebook and Instagram. Yes, so it's been a little while. We last dealt with y'all. It was the summertime right before the season was about to start. We did have some intentions to do some pre previews of the season, but we've moved past that, and we just want to go ahead and jump into where we're at now with what's going on in the NBA and how things are shaking. I think what what we've had like a maximum of four games played total, but they've already seen some stories unfolding. So let's just go ahead and lead the charge and discuss the trade that was just completed with James Harden finding his way finally to the Clippers. See, Grant, what's your what's your take on this trade, man? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't see. I really don't see how. I mean, for Philadelphia, I don't honestly, I don't see the. I don't really see the benefit. Do you think there's a winner or a loser in this trade from what you know as of right now? Before any games played. I mean, I think I think I I think it's kind of what for what. I think I think Philadelphia is able to free up some um, cap space. You know what I mean? Because James Harden wanted to go to um, he wanted to go he wanted to go to L.A. So it wasn't necessarily a real market out there for him. To go anywhere else, and no other team is really going to give much away for him. Um, for him, I think they also had, um, you know, they it wasn't much they gave up, like it wasn't like, oh man, you gave up blah blah blah. And this, this, it was like, mm. you gave up some players that weren't going to be used for the Clippers, you gave up a couple of um draft picks that you might not even use anyway. I mean, the draft pick was like 2028 20, and 2029, 20, like. Yeah, I mean, all those players would be long gone by the time that draft comes around. So, I just didn't feel – I mean, I kind of don't feel nothing about it, honestly. Like, it's just cool. James Harden gets to play. He's a good player. He gets – he gets he goes to another place that he was wanting to go to. Will that turn into wins? Yet to be seen. Will it turn into chemistry? Yet to be seen. Does it have potential? I mean, but that's why we're here. We can't be evasive, brother. It's not being, be but I don't. I don't really. It's kind of like I didn't care either way. Like, okay, okay. So you're indifferent. But so, do you yeah. feel so from this position as of right now, with no games being played, and the players that they have given or traded out of LA, and now as currently constructed with the roster that they have, do you think that the Clippers? have given themselves a better opportunity to be successful, or do you feel like their opportunity for success has not changed or lessened? If you just had to be that simple. Um, if plus, I think, minus, I think, push. I think, I think it's probably a push. Ty Lue's going to coach them to about 45 wins anyway, regardless of who's out there. I think James Harden is, or has been, sad to say, but more durable during the regular season than PG and Kawhi. So maybe he counts as a insurance policy when those guys decide to possibly not play for whatever reason, whether it's injuries or in the past has been low management. And now you know you have somebody like James Harden and Westbrook that are going to play, going to give you about sixty to seventy games, maybe. Whereas, unfortunately, Kawhi might might give you thirty. You know, unfortunately, in the past, you know what I mean. And, and PG is kind of like he'll play if he's not wait, hurt. Wait, 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 Kawhi might what? 
get you 30 games. Oh, games, games. games you said yeah. 30. I didn't know you meant. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about games. games. No, I'm talking okay. about games. Okay. So, so, so if Kawhi's not playing and I got somebody mm-hmm. like James, James Harden's skill set, if I'm the Clippers, I'm always going to be, uh, 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 you know, I'm always going to be in the game to win. Now, because, I mean, they gave up, they gave up guys that wasn't really playing. Uh, they gave up Mark Keith Morris. He wasn't really, you know, he wasn't a, a predominant heavy rotation guy. I mean, he got in the rotation, but he wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't a. a he gave a up. He gave up. I, there's one guy I can't remember his name. The three that are notable that I recall are Batum, Morris, and um. He gave up Kenya Martin's son. Kenya Martin's son, and there's one more guy. But that's the uh, point. So yes, is it worth it? Yeah, if I can Covington. Get rid of, I'm sorry. Oh, Robert, Robert Covington. Covington. Okay, well he's. He's a utility guy, but he's not. Yeah, his they're all utility is, guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're all and, utility guys. And none of the output. All utility guys and what, like five picks. In yeah, and none of the output is going to give you a James Harden on a, a night he can get hot. So, yes, for the Clippers, why not? We weren't doing much anyway. And it, 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 get, it gets us a guy that we could try out for for the year. If it doesn't work out, he's out the door anyway. Uh, P.J. Tucker, his, his deal is, you know, a couple – what twenty million dollars for like uh, for the next two or three years? That could be thrown, away, you know, that could be thrown away come playoff time if the team really wants his services. Um, so for the Clippers, it might well do something. I mean, because the team they had wasn't going, they were going to give you maybe first, maybe second round. Now with James Harden, it might be a more competitive matchup, first or second round. Yeah, but it's the Clippers; they're not going to do anything. That'd be like, yo, these cats is like on paper looks good, but the game's not played on paper. And for Philadelphia, this 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 needs to be in B's last year because that team without James Harden is not a threat in the East. I mean, yes, they're beating Toronto, but Toronto's a, a shell of their former self. This team, if this team stays the same in Philadelphia come Christmas, I'd be shocked. Because I don't see it. I don't see any reason why it should be. Tobias Harris is not the unfortunately the player that can step into the role. Well, his role they... hasn't changed. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But again, he can't step up to be more than what he is or what he he's wants. a third what... scorer. But I'm looking he's honestly officially a third scorer. When Harden was there, he got moved to the fourth score. Yes. Okay, but third. Okay, but. As the third scorer, as in what he's gonna give me twelve points a game? Like I need production out of him. Yeah, he's gonna, get, at he's least... gonna give you. He's gonna give you low teens, approaching eight rebounds. He's gonna hit two or three threes a game. He's gonna give you switchable, reliable defense, and he's gonna be able to guard two positions, meaning the three or the four, depending on the matchup. He's okay, probably, but... I mean, listen. Okay, but okay, let me ask you. Okay, this, yeah, 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 yes. No, okay, okay. Tobias Harris has found a way to be a player who doesn't have to be talked about but gets paid or at one point was one of the top paid players. Now, that could be an aging thing again and potential, but that's why the game is like potential has an expiration date because his potential has always been like he should be doing more than what he is. He just unfortunately has not. And he's been a he's a solid player. It's just that, but I need more than that from him. I always felt like he never, he never rose to the level of what I thought he could be. And if that, if that's fair to say, or you understand, follow what I'm saying. Um, and I think, like, I'm looking at the Philadelphia. This Embiid's gonna be tired of this team pretty soon. So They're your prediction is that that Embiid is going to ask out. Um, if he doesn't ask out, I could easily see him. Um, position himself somehow. You know what I mean? Like, he might not verbally come out and say it, but it'll be enough rumblings or at some point their record, it just won't show like, yo, dude, come on, let's, let's, let this man go. You know, because I mean, that's not a, they didn't get better by losing James Harden. You don't think it's, it's a got, possible addition by subtraction? So that that is out the window no. with you too. No, I don't, I don't feel like it because I don't feel like any of the players they got. Now, Robert Covington can help them out. Again, these utility guys are cool. But I need to have somebody who can get me a basket 
when I really needed that, when Tyrese Maxey and maybe Joel Embiid are not clicking, or Joel Embiid is out, and Tyrese Maxey is um, it's just not scoring. Can I get somebody that can give me consistency? Tobias Harris is not that. As a third scorer, if Tobias Harris is but, a third scorer, and mm-hmm. you're looking for him to score, you got problems. But here's the counterpoint. James Harden wasn't consistent in Philadelphia. He wasn't consistent. Well, I can't say Brooklyn because the Brooklyn opportunity, I think, was hurt. Um, yeah, but I think his, his previous playoff history, his previous playoffs history, even his. Yeah, but we're not even talking years. about playoffs right now. No, 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 no. We're not talking about playoffs. You're talking Let's about get season? to that. I'm talking about getting to the playoffs. Like, we all know James Harden will have phenomenal or above average regular seasons. And when it comes to but the postseason... Have, but did he have a phenomenal or above average regular season? Leading the league in assists, did that really make him... No, what I'm saying is... Okay, but what I'm saying is in his career, not just like one season, but for mm-hmm. his career, you can tell it's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde type thing. Like, he is... He's, he's phenomenal, far more productive in the regular season, season. than he is in the postseason. Exactly. And yeah, that so. hasn't changed and that would never change. Because it's like, dude, you're just giving me 13 years of that. I don't think in year 14 or whatever year it is for you, you're all of a sudden going to change it out. Yeah, on, on now on your fourth team, fourth requested team. You know what I mean? Like, nah. So, so back to the Sixers and, and what you were saying. The Sixers have not improved in your eyes on paper, mm-hmm. and now they're missing something because of what they've let, what they've traded out. They haven't got a return that will resolve that lost amount of production. Yeah, only thing they, could, they got probably got back is maybe is a is is maybe even a stretch when I say this, but it might be a better locker room, guys. It's less so, distractions, but but Embiid's status is going to be a distraction. Okay, so before I before I speak my piece, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions regarding your takes. So, with Philadelphia and how you currently see them resolved, is there a possible path with what they've done without adding any different players if they were to hold? on the roster that they have, as is for the remainder of the year, is it at all possible that the Philadelphia 76ers can get to the Eastern Conference Finals with the roster that they have? No. No. Do you give them a 0 to 10% possibility, a 0% possibility? I miss the NBA. Injuries can happen. Life can happen. Somebody can step up. Somebody's in a contract year. Maybe Kelly Oubre decides that he wants to... Um, be a, um, you know, be a consistent scorer. Maybe Tobias Harris wants to say, you know what, let me get, let me get you 19. Let me get you 19 and 8. Um, maybe to, Ty, Tyrese Maxey takes a step up. Like, those are a lot of different factors. So, yeah, I can say 10%. That, that's kind of that's good to say. Like, they let, have a 10% chance to possibly make the Eastern Conference Finals. And, again, I think it's 10, it's 10 or less. It's not 10 or more. Like I, I, I don't think there's a 20% chance or a 25% chance they can make the heat. Joe and B would have to be MVP, return to MVP, and Tyrese Maxey would have to be arguably a all star. And Kelly Oubre would have to be, you know, in contention for most improved. And Tobias Harris has to be 19 and 8. Some type of award. Like, like, like everybody has to just play. like. Okay, so the lights, have to, the lights have to click on perfectly and. They have to become like and the Pat Beverly, Indians of major. And Pat league. Beverly has to be second team all defense. Wow! Like, 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 like that's all asking for a lot from guys who have not shown wow. us that consistency. And Beatty showed us the consistency that he can be the best player on that team, right? Um, mm-hmm. But Tyrese Maxey has to take a huge step, and can he do it? He has the potential. Obviously, he'll have the um, level the shots, you know. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I just don't trust them enough. And their coach, which is our uh, Nick Nurse, now we'll see because he he's more of the underdog, getting the best out of these underdog players. Maybe he can get the best out of some of those underdog players. But I just don't know if that the remaining parts of those units have gotten. They have it in them to say, you know what? I want to get a little better this year. I want to just step up and be the best in the role that I have. 
be the be be the best role player in that role to be the best at that. I don't. I just don't see it. I just. I don't know. Time will tell, but it just doesn't. Like, if I'm a betting man, I'm not betting for them to make the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that's okay. fair enough to say that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm gonna do the same. I'm gonna. I feel like. I. I feel like. I don't know. Like, and I'm not saying this to like judge you, but I, I feel like there's like an air of like negativity about your take on both sides for both teams in regards to this trade. So I'm just gonna try to be more like on the 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 happier side, the 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 glass. You'll be more optimistic. Okay. Right. I'm gonna try to be more optimistic because I feel like even if you weren't intending to be as negative as you are, it, it kind of like feels that way. Like you know, you kind of like well, yeah, as negative. That, yeah. I didn't even think it was the best, most negative take. But okay, go ahead. Okay, okay. But I'm saying I feel like you. Were but like, I got you. I got you. I, I feel think... like you were Clippers, man. Philly, man. Exactly. Kind of like it's kind of like you know they they both just traded ex wives. You know, like, you take my problem, I take your problem. You know, that's that's kind of like what I feel like it, where you're at with it. So let's let's present the possible benefits to okay. both teams. So you you alluded to some of these. James Harden gives you more regular season minutes reliably than the best players that are currently on the Clippers, and that includes well, I don't even want to say includes Russell Westbrook because Russell Russell Westbrook is something of an Iron Man. If you allow him to wake up and have all 10 of his toes, he, he's going to try and play if you let mm-hmm. him. So I'm not going to even put him in that category of plays. I think that they have the right coach for trying to figure out what to do with a cast of players who you may not necessarily know how to make them work on the court. I feel like Ty Lue is kind of proven to be oh, in the upper sure. echelon of coaches yeah, capable of doing that. I mean, we kind of wanted to know what the Clippers wanted going to do when they had five, seven small forwards on one team. They just traded out four of them. And yeah. they were able to keep Terrence Mann, who, who, who says a lot about their – because even they're as high, a veteran team – yeah, even as a veteran time, as a veteran team trying to go places, you need those younger energy guys who are ascending. A guy who, just because he's not 30 – can play 45 minutes randomly and play 45 high energy minutes just because he's young. You need one of those guys. Every team needs guys like that available on your team. So I understand them keeping Terrence Mann and then giving, see the thing about Jason, about James Harden is that he's a guard. Pure and point. You want to call him a point guard. You want to call him two guard, depending on what situation he's been in. He's proven to be versatile enough to play either position. He's interchangeable. You got Russell Westbrook. You don't have to play Russell Westbrook as a starter. I mean, I feel like the Clippers have an opportunity to pursue some versatility and have a guy who can, if you turn the keys over to the house to him on any given night because you're missing someone else, you can be okay. So what that does is that gives the Clippers an opportunity to be better positioned in the playoffs to play a lesser opponent because the West is a gauntlet and let's just be real all eight of those teams that go to the Western Conference playing playoffs barring energy they're probably barring injuries they're probably going to be really good teams because the West is really good there's like 12 considered you know legitimate playoff contending teams in that conference I think the Clippers improved their overall talent their cohesiveness is something that is going to have to be worked out and because of, like you said, who they are, their history, the brand, what they're associated with, they have a lot of defying the odds to do to be successful. So your take is fair, and I don't think it's wrong. I do think that in order to forecast them being successful from this trade going forward, you would have to be very rosy-eyed and like ignore what we've already seen, which is the fact that guys don't play because they're not healthy. I think look, Kawhi and, and Paul George combined have played in five years together, less than 200 games total together. But here they were last night on the back-to-back playing the Lakers. Kawhi gave you 30-plus minutes both games. Um, there was the quote that brother put in the chat about Kawhi appearing to want to take on more. So maybe they do trend upward if people are finally able to play and be available. That's the Clippers' best opportunity to success. 
everybody's able to play and Tyloo figures out how to get them to play together. Because I do think that if you have a combination of Harden, and I'm not saying it's the discount Westbrook, if you have Harden, PG-13, and and um, Kawhi Leonard on the floor, you're one of the tougher three teams in the league to guard. Just off rip of those three people being on the court at the same time, you're probably one of the, 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 tough, the three toughest teams in the league to have to guard. Mm-hmm. I'll give them that. So I do believe that the Clippers have given themselves an opportunity to be formidable. Time will tell if they can actually, because history does not point in their favor. Philadelphia. I've spoken about it, and I'm going to leave it at this. If there's a team for Joel Embiid to win with as a player in this league, if there is a team archetype for who he is and what he brings to the court as a player to win a title with, it's this type of team he's on right now. Joel Embiid will not win a title playing alongside another superstar on his tier or just below his tier. The way he plays basketball, it just simply does not seem to be possible. You've given him a guy who can go out and take over a game and all of a sudden playing alongside and be with a history of not being able to do it in the playoffs anyway, he couldn't do it. You give him a young, ascending, Swiss Army knife type of player, and they don't mesh because that player doesn't bring the perimeter acumen that you need to insulate a guy like him. But now you have someone who's slightly under the radar, isn't really pulling that electricity towards himself and the attention in Tyrese Maxey, but is just as capable of detonating as anybody else in the league. If we want to talk about guys capable of going off and you put up a top 10 list at the guard position, Maxey's on it. On any given night, he might give you 35, 40 points a game. Is that a lie? Wait, Max is going to give you 35 to 40? He can give you 35 or 40 on any given night in the NBA. Mm, I don't know. 40, 35, 40 is a sh- I think it's a stretch. I mean, well, I think he's still, it? I think he's starting to, we're about I think to he, see it. okay. I, I, I don't know. We're 25 to, to 30? Yeah, but that 35 to 40 is a, that's a, that's serious numbers, on this man. Type of, on this type of on team. this type of team, yeah, okay. Mate. On this type of, type of team, yeah, he would have to for them to be because look yeah, at what okay, the okay. other perimeter red lights are on your team as a, as a guard. When you come down the court as Tyrese Maxey, you have Joel Embiid to worry about. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is a what if. No, that's what I mean. No, he's definitely clearly the number two option. He's clearly that. But when you're the number two option and your number one option is an interior player, you're the only perimeter option, which means there's nobody to take away three-point attempts from you. There's nobody to really take away pull-up mid-ranges off the snake. Mm. Okay, I can see that, but I just don't see 35 to 40. That's it. That's it. On any given night. I didn't say he's going to average that. No, I, I know you didn't say that. Now we would have to drug test podcasting. You know what I'm saying? That's not. That's not a... A thing, I think. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm the I same guy who told you that Denver was going to win the title. So that's so I, that's I'm, I'm you cool. think that's just in the same realm? Yes. Okay. It's on the same realm. What what Philadelphia is doing, unless Daryl Morey proves otherwise with these quote unquote assets that he's acquired and flips them into another player that I guess would appease Embiid. What he's done is he's given Tyrese the perimeter keys and Joel is already the landlord of the house. So you're comparing Tyrese Maxey to Jamal Murray? No, I'm not doing that. I'm not Okay, because remember, no, no, because you, you stated that Remember, you're I the predicted same Denver. Would, I'm the same yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so, the, the Denver so, Nuggets but, team would win a title. I'm not comparing yes. any individual player. I'm not saying that I'm just, Philly. I'm trying to make even, the. I'm trying to figure out how you think that that's on the same level of hey, I'm the one that said the Nuggets will win a title, and I'm also I'm saying, saying is, that is, is is give give credit to the idea that I could be right. That's all. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, you know what? For for sake of let's because at some point we got to move to another subject. Yes, I will give you that. So, I mean, we we all know that there's going to be an uptick in what Tyrese produces. So, if you got him on your fantasy team, look forward to you know there being. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're definitely, the offensive um, output will be better. I think. I think the level off in the volume and usage that you get in Tobias Harris goes up, and Tobias Harris with more usage as an efficient player. Listen, I'm a Nick Nurse guy. You know that too. Mm-hmm. And I, I think get, I get the less that. headaches, the less headaches you give him to have to deal with, and the more guys who are amenable to let's try it because this coach is worth trusting, which is what the culture was in Toronto because they did a lot of experiments, and that experimenting allowed them to stay relevant even beyond the the the, the championship season with Kawhi. Were they able to regain championship level pedigree? No, they just didn't have the talent. But I think that this team, this Philadelphia team, where Joel Embiid is the heliocentric, undeniable best player, and there's nobody else that you have to worry about him, quote-unquote, possibly having to defer to or may possibly be able to outshine him, I think this is the team where all of those talents makes it work. Does that mean that he suddenly has to transform himself into a better leader and, and all of these other things? Probably. Are those things that he can do? I don't know. But I do have faith in what they have assembled and the type of players that they brought in who are all culture guys. Guys who, if Nick Nurse says, hey, Covington, I need you to go out and guard this four, this four man or this wing guy, Covington will do it. Same for Batum. And when you're in the Eastern Conference, games are going to be won and lost more so on the defensive end than the offensive end. And you know, I don't think you can really argue that with me. The Eastern Conference is way more defensive inherently than, than the West is going to be. So if you have guys who can versatile and give you stops so that these heavy usage players can close games for you, you give yourself chances to win. Is their margin of victory going to be as great as all of these other teams? No. But we're seeing all these other teams with these new players struggle. So if Philadelphia can figure it out and buy themselves some time by winning the games they need to win, I see them in a position to still be amongst the top eight teams in the East. I do not have them out of the playoffs. Do you I have, have them in the going... Eastern Conference Finals? No, I don't have them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, what percentage? I that question. What percentage do I give them? Yeah. To get to the Eastern Conference Finals, 25%. Wow. I give them a 25% chance to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I give Boston and Milwaukee the rest. I don't okay. know. I, I mean... I, 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 I'm not discounting Miami. Miami's capable of whatever they're capable of. Mm-hmm. But again, right now, I just feel like that gap that Boston has created or looks like they may have created with what they did is pretty big. And then Milwaukee's in that growing pains trying to figure it out level, but they never, they didn't really lose so much that you have to take them out of being a top 14 in the Heat. But yeah, like you said, we're gonna we're gonna move forward from that and, and on to um so what trends have you noticed so far? What how do you feel about the Golden State experiment so far? Let's start with that. Um it's cool. It's cool. Like it's going to be it's going to be cool. Like it's not I I really want to give it more time because it's just they've won a game, Clay Clay Thompson, um Hit a game, hit a buzzer beater to win the game. Well, obviously that's. Then I'm not surprised. Obviously, you give you give one of the best jump shooters probably in the history of the game an opportunity to shoot a jump shot to win the game. Yeah, I like his chances. You know what I mean? Before before we before we continue, Tyrese Maxey, as of right now, only three games in is averaging thirty six and six. True shooting percentage of sixty-eight point eight percent. Back to what you were talking about. Just two, yo, he shot a three games in into eighty-two. Okay, I'm just saying. I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Three games into thirty-two. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. I mean, if he keep if he keeps that up, he might be MVP of the league in three games. Okay, so you saying that the Golden State experiment, <laughs> the Golden State experiment, it is, it is what I mean. It's entertaining. It's, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's good for Chris Paul. I mean, he actually 
first time in his career, NBA career, he had to come off the bench. Um, but I think he's okay with that. I think where he's at in his career and what they need out of him. And the fact that he's going to get to finish games, which he yeah, did. He's exactly. And he's also, he's still going to get you a eight, eight assists a night or more. You know what I mean? I definitely think that that's the case. And again, he'll, he'll, he'll probably average about 12, 10 to 12 a game and about seven, eight assists a night. That would be good coming off the bench. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't. I think depending on. I think depending on his his. Let me say this. Depending on what the the schedule looks like or how they handle the schedule by Christmas time is really, in my opinion, going to solidify if he stays on that roster. I really feel like they're using this as experience to show teams that he still has value in any team that is kind of possibly thinking about that idea of bringing Chris Paul on. They're watching, you know, and I feel like they're going to find a way to um, keep it the way it is. I think they Golden State. I think they they like plug and play. Like, hey, if he's working, let him keep rock, let him keep going. But if it's some changes, okay, let's keep him enough that he's got some value, and we'll go go flip him for something else. I can see, I can see that happening. I don't know to who yet, but I can see that happening. Um, but I, I think it's okay. This experiment is going cool. You know, you tell me you got Steph on your team, and he still looks. Can I read you some of these Harden quotes? Oh Lord, I think the game, and I am a creator on the court. Harden said, "So if I got a voice to where I can, hey, coach, I see this. What you think about this? Somebody that trusts me, that believes in me, that understands me. I'm not a system player. I am a system. You know what I mean?" Wow, I just I'm a system. What you know? What put it on a t-shirt? Yo, he, yes, yo. I mean, I forget the process. I am a system. I yeah, am a system. This yo, is what he what says at his introductory press conference to join the Clippers. I wonder if he realizes that the media pays attention to what he says. Because I just don't, I just don't see the benefit of saying that. I just don't see the benefit of saying that. But Jay, I just don't see the, I, I just don't, I don't see the benefit of saying that. Like people, like you but, does he, people kind but of, does he ever talk? Does he ever talk with an overarching benefit of people seeing him? And he doesn't care. Yeah, but something. And I'm not mad at that. Yeah, but you don't have to give people ammunition. Like he, but his whole existence is ammunition. No, that's true. I mean, I, I can't, I can't fall James Harden, man. I like James Harden, the basketball player. I think at times I just found that I just found that quote to be hilarious. So I, I apologize. Yeah, I, no, no, it's it, it's. I was just I'm just shocked. So you know, again, I'm shocked. We'll see. We'll see, though, man. I, I don't want to count out. I really don't want to count the Clippers out too much because of Ty Lue's coaching. The fact that you have... And you still have big guys. Two, which, two, which would have been my concern. Two, MV, two former MVPs, one former finals MVP. You have a player who at one point was a top five player. Uh, all those guys got a chip on their shoulder. Like, I really don't want to put it too past them to make some noise. I just don't... I just got to see how it would work blending it in by mid-season, meaning, or at least by Christmas time, to see how that works. Because I want to see how much play, people are playing together, how much Ty, Ty Lu can get those guys to maximize their time on the floor, you know, and their skill sets. Because I don't really feel like, I really don't know how those skill sets complement each other at this stage in their careers when I'm looking okay. at all of those those four guys. So let's look yeah. at some trends. Let's look at some trends and tell me what these trends, because I know, I, not even trends, but I'm going to, I know it's the early point of the season, but I do feel like looking at certain numbers do kind of give you an idea of where teams are going or where they're trying to be. So in the West, the top four scoring teams, points per game, Dallas, who was undefeated. So I definitely wanted to give Dallas some airtime. Um, they're averaging 122 and a half points per game. 
The Clippers are giving you 121. Sacramento, who was one of the lead leaders in scoring, are at, right at 119. And then Utah at 115 points per game. Then we go to the East. Now, the Boston Celtics just put up 155 points. So, their average is going to be in a, in a regulation In a regulation game. That's against, crazy. Against the pool party, right? Was, oh, that, that was against, against Washington, the, right? Was it against, was it against, was it against the Wizards? I think so. I'm going to pull it up now. Yo, son, you, I didn't you, want to. I didn't want to deviate too far from the stats. No, they actually did that to the Pacers. They gave, yeah, the Pacers. That's they right. gave. That's they gave the Wizards 126 points. So yeah, to your they man, took a, to they took, man, a, they took, took a little. To my man, who? I'm sorry, you cut out. To my man, who? Oh, to your man, Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, but he wasn't playing that. <laughs> he wasn't playing that game. So. Yeah, y'all, y'all in, in clutch world, y'all ain't gonna know why that's funny. But that's anytime somebody says Tyrese Halliburton and has to do with me, that's gonna be the new joke. But speaking of them, so Atlanta is second in in the Eastern scoring at one twenty two point eight points per game, which we kind of knew they would have to do because Atlanta is just not built to stop nobody, man. The the, the way that team is constructed, um, Indiana, they're third in the East at one hundred nineteen a game, and then Brooklyn fourth in the East and scoring at 118 points per game. Now, in point differential, which is determined, you know, tells you who, who beats teams by the most. Dow, I mean, Boston's at 20. Philadelphia's at 12 and a half points per game. Because this is the thing. Philly's three and one. Now, mind you, again, a small sample size. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, things can change in a heartbeat. The Lakers started two and ten and wound up in the Western Conference Finals. Truth be told, you can never fully vest anything on what happens in the first few games of the season other than injuries and how they're going to affect the team's long-term projections. Lots of things are out to change. Who, who are some of your surprises so far? What have you been surprised by if you've been surprised by anything? I've been surprised that the Bulls have already had a, a players-only meeting already when the season started because I feel like... Surprised? I'm surprised that like, you're, you're less than three games in, I think, for Chicago. Uh, and you already and again you're you're two and three. So the fact that they had a players mm-hmm. they had a players meeting players only meeting after like game one. I think if I'm not they mistaken, had a players only training camp. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I, that's a that's more shocking to me that. Uh, they, but I'm more surprised that they they doubled down and stayed past. Well, that's my, that's what I was about to say. How do you have the, a team only training camp, a team only meeting at the game one, and the roster still the same? Like to me, that doesn't make any sense. Like they had to have, they had to, they had all of those things because the roster still the same. I thought this offseason, both of those guys were going to find their way to the West Coast because they're both West Coast guys. I thought Demar was going to find his way to some California team. I thought he might. I had the odds on him more likely being a Clipper than Harden, and he beat Harden to it. So, okay. And Zach Levine is a California kid. Yeah. So I thought, because remember, Sacramento, he tried to sign with Sacramento mm-hmm. and got his offer sheet matched. So that's why he, 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 he wound up being a bull, and then the Bulls gave him more money. Yes. So, yeah. Listen, we're not going to do it this year. We, Chicago, yeah, I, prove it or lose it. I thought Chicago, I thought this is what I thought. This is something that and I wasn't going to say it until now you just mentioned it. I thought after the, after the James Harden trade, Philadelphia was going to call Chicago to try to get DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine. Mm. That's what and I they still probably and, can. And they probably can, but I honestly, when that, as soon as that happened, because because remember... But that salary number, yeah, and that's DeMar the only, is the guy you go and get. Well, that's, that's what you need, you because if you can keep Tobias Harris, you can keep Maxie, obviously. Well, no, you probably have moved to, Toby to get, because Toby is yeah. the only... Because I don't think Toby signed a new deal. I think this is the last year of that five-year... Two hundred or whatever million dollar deal that he had, oh. so I think he's the only guy who's in that thirty five per year salary range that Demar might be close to. You have to move if you're doing it just off the basis of salary, because remember, Tyrese Maxey is on a great group contract. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's on his rookie scale deal. He's making like three million dollars a year. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, no, nah, he's definitely a fact. Philly is on pace to have something like fifty five million dollars in cap space available. 
when free agency opens with them having to re-sign Maxi, of course, so he's going to take a, a chunk of that. I would say if they have 55 available, he's going to get on his on his next new deal, he's going to get 35 annual. Hmm. The way this league trends now, you're going to get like 30, 35 a annual a year because he's, he's he probably, if he, God forbid, not God forbid, but if he makes an all-NBA team, they really are stuck. Oh, yeah. Because I think that, I think that escalates his value as far as his ability to negotiate an extension. But yeah, Chicago, listen, we, we, we called them Flounder and Fish Blushy last year. And yeah. you know, you could say it's a coaching thing, you could say it's a player thing. Something just don't work. And it, it really is exacerbated by the fact that Alonzo Lonzo Ball's not there. So they don't have a dynamic, steady influence at the point guard position. And you got three guys who are none capable of really being like a ball handling team leader so you don't have somebody to kind of like balance that equation out so you get those variable efforts because you don't have somebody at the point of attack that can really like reel those guys in come on you know and and really give them like a sense of purpose or make them feel like they're all being properly deployed you know, mm-hmm. Zach Levine goes off, takes eight shots in a row. DeMar DeRozan, I'm not saying it's like he actually feels this way. Mm-hmm. But DeMar DeRozan might feel slighted. Like, yo, you took the last eight shots. I crossed half court with you. Like, yo, my defense is going to have to take a break if all I'm going to be doing is being in the audience or vice versa. DeMar DeRozan takes eight shots in a row and now Vujovic feels away. So you've got guys and a dynamic and a coach who they just have not been able to create harmony without without Lonzo Ball being there. So I thought that they might find a way to get one of those type of, you know, guys in there if they want to keep the team together, and they did. So I'm not surprised. But are you surprised with how mid-Milwaukee's look so far? You know, Chris Middleton's mm. not really playing that much, and Dame, he's up and down so far. I think it's going to take What's some time. What's your ceiling on Milwaukee? I mean, no, Sealer is definitely the championship. I mean, um, because they do have they do have the highest odds to win the championship. I think now in the books. Now I think the the books adjusted after the lame Dame trade and gave them no, the highest odds to get as, to the as it should have. I mean, you get really a, you think so? I mean, again, you you gave up Drew Holiday, which is a phenomenal defensive player, but you got such an offensive threat in Dame that. You know, barring any injuries, Giannis can, you know, destroy guys quarters one through uh, three. Three. The game can finish Mm -hmm. the fourth quarter, which that used to be the knock on Giannis before he actually won a championship that he couldn't couldn't finish. Now you got one of the ultimate finishers. So, yeah. You know, that could easily happen. You know, um, but again, I think it's going to take some time. To figure that out, I mean, I'm not. I'm not, and granted, I also got a new coach, but I think Griffin is up for the task for for that. They put him in a position to do so. I'm worried about that. I, we'll we'll cover that over the course. Of the well, season, because I think sometimes, co- yeah. Well, that's the problem sometimes when you give new coaches these opportunities. But I'm not gonna. I, I've, we've seen it happen a lot, tons of times. New coaches get these teams that we don't know about. Or and they just put and they produce, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm gonna give Griffin. Yeah, we didn't know about Ty Lue until Ty Lue happened. So he could he could trend in that direction. I don't want to I don't want to discount that, but I just feel like some of the things that have already occurred with the way that Terry Stotts left, and that was like you know a Mm -hmm. Dane a Dane Lillard ally. I don't want to say ally, but somebody who was familiar with him and would probably be helpful. But was he was he he did he leave before the trade happened, or he left after the trade? He he was able to be with Dame for like two or three practices before he left. Oh, really? And okay. There was I... a there was an incident in practice that led to oh, see, that led to okay. Terry I forgot. Stott. I didn't Terry Stott that. basically got basically what 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 is being reported, and I don't want to speculate like it's fact, but what is being reported is that basically, you know, Terry Stott got undressed by everybody by Adrian Griffin during during a, a practice. You know what I mean? Adrian Griffin told them to do something. Terry Stott didn't do it in the way that, that Adrian Griffin felt it should have been done, which was basically he wanted everybody to come meet with him. But Stotts was trying to do like some one-on-one session and Griffin wasn't having it. Mm. 
that's the story or one of the stories that's being ran on. But at this point, like I said, yeah, yeah, well, that, that's neither here nor there. I mean, it might become a big thing if that doesn't transpire into what we, you know, would like to have hoped. Um, but yeah, well, again, I think I think with a lot so much newness around Milwaukee, like you said, that warrants them having a, a cushion of maybe twenty or so games to try and like figure themselves out and at least be able to play to functionally win because Milwaukee was a team that won. Mm-hmm. So exactly. They, they do need to still continue to win. You may not be able to look like a championship team while you're winning. You know, you round yourself in a championship form, but losing is losing. So them losing or, and only being 500 and Dame having those up and down performances, you, you hope that that levels off. And if that does, then that does keep them, you know, like you said, on that trajectory where Dame could be the closer and Giannis can basically abuse you for the first three quarters. And, you know, you have Middleton to take some of the edge off. Yeah. Um, um, I think I think who who I've seen just to give him a little bit of light. It's not gonna not gonna be for much of the season, but Detroit seemed like they've been playing more of a faster pace. Uh, yeah, shout out to Monty Williams mm-hmm. again. Monty Williams, another a, a, a good, a very good coach, because I've been watching some of these guys play. And I'm like, yo, wait a minute. You guys are actually, you know, for one. Detroit's got some talent. Yeah, they've and, got and a young talent. I've said that talent. before. I mean, and you can even ignore the top tier, the top tier high pick bigs that they have who don't even play because Jalen Duran is playing so well. Yeah. Listen. You know, Kay Cunningham was not healthy all of last year. He's exactly. back. He's back. Jaden Ivey, mm. he was looking like a, a, a upper level rookie last year. Yeah, hey, but I'll even, I'll even shout out the 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 Thompson twin. This dude's averaging almost a double double, and he's got, and he's been having the um, he's like I think he's first in the team in blocks. Yeah, so, he's coming. He's playing your guard position. So again, if you have these players, yeah, I'm looking at the stats right now. Um, is is it a meal or yeah? I saw, I saw, I saw. Um, he's averaging. 10 points, nine, basically 10 rebounds because it's 9.8. And um, I mean, his shooting percentage is not good, but he's averaging two, yeah. blocks, a, averaging two blocks a game. Like, if you're doing that from a, a, for, a forward position, kind of small forward position as a rookie, not bad. You know what I mean? Especially on a team where, yes, you're going to have opportunities because Monty Williams is going to show the league, hey, I can take this young team and put some – give these guys the confidence that they're going to need to at least to be in games, play play hard, to do things the right way. They're obviously going to be going to be well coached. A coach like Monty Williams is going to trim the 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 errors. So let's say in theory, and I don't even want to miscast it, but let's say Detroit won twenty games last year. Of the sixty games that they lost, twenty more of those were probably winnable just off of coaching. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that exactly. Even if it's even if they go from twenty wins last year, as an example, 30. to thirty, and again, and those losses are, oh well, okay, it was fifteen, but at one point it was six. You know what I mean? And they just couldn't figure it out again. Again, obviously, yeah, he's you know, a coach who who is going to instill in them winning behavior and winning habits. Yeah, and when you have a coach capable of doing that then you, you can go places because then all you need is for one of your talents to be transcendent or to be a top-tier level talent because, I mean, if we look at how Indiana's constructed, Tyrese Halliburton makes them go. Yeah. It's like they're legitimate because he's so legit. So if Detroit, if Kay Cunningham, if, uh, I don't I want to say Jeremy Duran because he doesn't do anything other than remind me of every 90s, not 90s, but every 2010 big who could, you know, roll, protect the paint, and only scored on dunks and, and, and interior shots. He fits that mold perfectly. Yeah, but again, if that's his role, be a star right. in that role. That's that's the biggest thing is, but that's what you want as a, especially with these young players, if you have a coach that can instill that type of confidence into your game, that's the big thing that sometimes that separates star players from not non-stars is confidence. 
These guys believe in me and my abilities. They allow me to make mistakes. They allow me to get better. And I'm sometimes in getting better is you actually playing through that and you gaining that confidence is playing through that. So I think I think a lot of times, uh, and again, it's extremely early. I mean, Detroit could you know go belly up and only win fifteen games a year. But First I off, think, Detroit's not even five hundred right now. So the fact yeah, yeah. that we're giving them this airtime, shout out to them. You know, shout out to them again. I, we saw some things, but when we're looking at Teams, um, mm-hmm. surprising. I wouldn't even say anybody else is really surprising. I mean, New Orleans is more of a was I on going to do if they're healthy, period. Period, exactly. Ingram's down right now. Yeah, exactly. So, that's another thing. Brandon Ingram's down, so it's kind of like, uh, okay, yeah, Tor- Toronto at that's not gonna be nothing. Uh, Miami, yeah, one and four for Miami's like, I'm not concerned, you know what I'm saying? Um, Eric Spoelstra is one of the best coaches in NBA. Like he's go- they're going to figure things out. And uh, I'm looking at, like I said, Milwaukee. I'm well, not really well, let's talk. Let's talk about before we leave the East because we'll we'll leave the rest of this to to go back west because the West has so many more formidable teams. But before we go, uh, how you feeling about Ben Simmons so far? Have you been able to? Oh come on, any- come on! I told you. Listen. <laughs> My my view on Ben Simmons has not changed. I have I have called him. I have called him a scammer from day probably from his end of his rookie year to his sophomore year. I said he was a scammer. I and I and I'm that's what I'm standing on. I haven't been wrong since. So yes, does he have the potential to be phenomenally better? Yes. Because he all has I some mental was, things. Have you have you watched him at all since this Listen, season? No. You know it's so crazy, no. son. No, because somebody this, had a Ben Simmons conversation with you prior. No, I see. I saw a, I saw a stat line of Ben Simmons where normally <laughs> they list the points, rebounds, assists. Right. This mm-hmm. particular stat listed. The points last after his blocks. I was like, yo, because it said he had like 11 rebounds, like seven assists, like two blocks, and then he had six points. I said, wait, what? I said, nah, man. They know the list points first. Who, who is doing this? Who was this an Australian newspaper? Yo, he said, I said, who put the two? I said, because they made it look like he had a good stat line. He looked like, oh, okay, he played about 30 minutes. All right. He said, wait a minute, points at the end? Six? What? Like, yo, he said, he's, I think he's only averaging like five shot attempts a game. Like, come on, bro. Like, you know what I mean? He, he, it, now granted, listen, let that man, let that man prove me wrong, but I'm not going to, I'm not, he's averaging 10 rebounds a game, seven and a half assists a game, but he's only, at, he's averaging seven points a game. So he's you know he's doing he's doing modest numbers, but for for a man that has the wow he's leading the team in rebounds, but we know that that's going to take a downtick when Claxton comes back. Claxton hasn't played yet. Uh, let's see. Minutes he's also per game. Let's he's, see. He's over thirty. He's about thirty minutes. Thirty-one minutes per game, giving you seven points, ten boards, like you said, seven and a half assists. But he hasn't. Uh, I don't have his shooting splits, but I'm pretty shooting, sure they He's not okay. shooting the ball. Come on, man. So Ben Come Simmons' on, field goal percentage with him not shooting outside of five feet, he's ah. only taking six shots a game, like you say. He's, Come on, he's son. shooting at fifty-six percent of his shots. Um Come on, son. Yeah. Yeah. Your man's a scammer, man. Your man got the bag. He's not going to increase his productivity when it comes to a different overall skill set when it comes to scoring on the floor. He's going to give you layups, maybe the little floaters in the lane, Mm -hmm. but he's going to do that now at a lesser level because he's Mm -hmm. not going to he he's not going to give you 14 shots, 15 shots a game anymore. Those days in my opinion are over. Like because it's just not Again, being part of his scamish ways, and I've seen a lot of scammers in my life, so I do, you know, I'm from New York. So I'm just saying, we see a lot of people that, you know, so I will say that. I'm not going to, like I said, 
in in one of my basketball leagues. I, he he's on my team. So yeah, he's on, I know. I, that's why I'm mm. laughing so hard because I know you have been sending. You have to watch yes, this I, play out. Yeah. Week. So yeah. So I would. Uh, yeah. I would honestly would be thrilled that he gives you if he if he averages. It might have been. It might have been the fantasy page that organized his stat line like that because Yo, they be might doing have been. that. They do be doing that like Yo. they'll they'll sort a player by his by his high for that night. Exactly. Like, oh, he get like look, he gave you eleven rebounds. You're like, oh, gave me eleven rebounds, and you look to the right. Six points. <laughs> Say, yo, son. <laughs> you know he's it. not giving you no threes. So come on, what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's, so again, in a fantasy league, it's very hard to see. He has to play utility. But you know what? We're yes. gonna shift off of the fantasy talk because mm-hmm. if you have Ben Simmons in your fantasy league, start him, but do not start him in your primary spots. Use him as utility because he's giving you utility level stats. He's gonna give you a category boost, but. He doesn't. He doesn't score. It's gonna be that Swiss Army, your Swiss Army knife, you know, multi multi tool. But again, it's still a scam. I know. I've seen enough. I'm just. I've never changed. Again, this is not C. Grant saying. He's the three, yo, he's the three card Monty in the NBA. Yeah, I wouldn't be listen. But I've been saying he was a scammer for years. So the people, I don't want people that that's new to the show thinking, oh, yeah, he, he's you've had been mental him a issues from Philly to Boston. Yeah, you, yeah. You, You've never wavered from that. You said he was going to wake up, go really hard, get a contract, and then since he got that contract, he he, he hasn't played hard since. I mean, his game is not – and his, his game is not ex- expanded more than what it is. It's a phenomenal – well, at one point, he was very good at what he did. But when you wanted him to increase that productivity or expand his game – because remember, he used to come out with those summertime workouts of him shooting jump shots. And he used to always say, well, how many takes is that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, he talking about, he talking about pickup. Talking about pickup. Yeah. Shooting takes and pickup. Yo, son. Because he used to get busy in the jumpers in the summertime. You'd be like, oh, bet. This is summer. This is season to start shooting. Yeah, right. He went from like five three point attempts to a season and like three. He's like, yo, but you just hit thirty in the summer. You can't. So let's go ahead. So let's shift. To, let's shift to. Uh, let's shift to the the, uh, the the players who we've been looking forward to playing, who are finally playing now. So we got to see some Chet so far, and he and um, Wembyana, Wembyama, they they. They've been fun to watch, man. They've been fun to watch. Do you do you feel like that's gonna be a, um I feel like it, it, it's set up to be a nice little rivalry between them. Health is gonna matter a lot. They also, I think, what play in the same division. So I kinda like that that, that situation exists now and they're young. You talking about so, Wimbayama and who? Chet, Chet Hungry. Oh yeah, oh Chet. I didn't hear you say Chet. Yeah, 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 and they actually uh-huh. have very comparable stat lines. Like I think they're both at 18 points per game, right around eight rebounds, and um, I think they're both around two blocks. They they have very comparable numbers. Some are okay. saying that you know Chet is actually producing better numbers, but when Benyama he just continues to find ways to be on. You know, did you see his uh, did you see his game versus Phoenix? Yeah, it was. I saw the highlights. I didn't watch that game. Okay. Uh, but I saw a, a guy trying to figure it out. Uh, you give it; they're gonna give him opportunities to figure it out. Uh, he had; he definitely had some. See, that's the thing about these, these, like a player like of his stature, like that, 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 that height. The 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 way he m- plays around the game and around the on the court. And he's the number one pick, so he's going to get these opportunities to mess up or to to, to kind of play his he's game. He's going to get. He's going to have room to grow. Yeah, no there short you go. leash. No, he's, going to be he's given, definitely. He's going to be given the opportunity. Let's not say he's going to be given a chance to fail. He's going to be given every opportunity to succeed by being allowed to fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and I, I think mean, he's only going to be really better. Good. Yeah, he's no, really no. Good. I mean, he does a lot of definitely. goofy. He does a lot of goofy young kid things, like you know. Yeah, he's only what nineteen, right? Yeah, and oh, you yeah. know, kids that age, they they always think that like they're actually one step ahead of everything just because they're fast. Like, oh, you can't make that pass because I'm 
seven foot five with an eight foot wingspan, and then the pass goes by them. So he's learning that speed of the game. Because mm-hmm. I know I, I don't. If you saw the Phoenix highlights, you saw that Kev Durant sneak dunked him. Mm-hmm. Kev Durant probably won't get to sneak dunk him again. No, yeah, because the Spurs will. They'll be on it. Like they'll they'll pay attention to that. And that, like I said, um, not even the know. Spurs. It's just the fact that like you like I'm saying, he's learning the games through the NBA. So it's like everybody's getting their first go around on on Wimby, and then we're gonna see, you know, how much he's adjusted to the actual NBA game, probably by like game 15 of the season. And maybe sooner because he's just that good. I don't know about Chet because who, man, who, who was it who put Chet to sleep? He had Chet on skates. Oh, he's over Andre Drummond. Yeah. First off, who in their right mind ever decides that they're going to try and cry Andre Drummond off the dribble? Andre Drummond take three-pointers and the other team celebrate when he makes them. Mm. If he's driving at me towards the rim, you going to meet me at the rim, bro. But, you know, Chet, mm. you, you got, you know, when you think you can block everything, which is the problem with these new era bigs, maybe they can swat everything. And Wimbyama's kind, of, kind of proving it right because he's out here blocking three-pointers on the Warriors. and <coughs> Yeah, he's definitely. Some of these other ridiculous space-covering things that he can do. But at the same yeah, time. I saw him stole a, steal an inbounds pass. Somebody thought they could throw a ball over his head, and he just jumped yeah. and tipped it. I was just like, "Bro, you gotta be kidding me!" I want to see. That's the thing. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I want to definitely see. I think he has the opportunity to be, like you said, rookie of the year. He'll have obviously he'll have a good career. I want them. Obviously, he's in the right organization to to do that. You know, to, to does his the, success mean that the Spurs are in the playoff conversation this year? That's what I want to get with these guys. Do you think that Chet and 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 uh, Wemby playing at this level where they're giving you close to twenty points per game and you know above seven rebounds a game? Do you think that that's good enough that their teams enter that playoff conversation in the West? Like I said, there's no easy yeah. nights off in the West anymore. No, it's not. But I, I think I think Chet his mm-hmm. roster is more com- is more competitive. Yeah, more not just more competitive. Yeah, definitely more competitive because you got I mean SGA is an all star who could be, you know, potentially another all star. You got Josh Giddy who's got a who's a sleeper. You got some guys on that team that can make a you know a push to make the playoffs. And could it be a great playing game between the Spurs and Oklahoma City? Yeah, it'd be great. You know what I mean? The NBA would love that. The young talents, small markets competing, and they'll have viewership because they have enough. Uh, of a storyline by that time playoffs roll around for people to tune in. You know what I mean? I'm, I can see ESPN mm-hmm. picking that up or TNT picking that up because you'll see the young stars um, coming out, which could, you know, obviously easily be marketed as faces, future faces of the NBA. So, yeah, I mean, could they could they do the playoffs? Though? I mean, I think I can see them do a play. In, I mean, 9-10 seed. Again, Oklahoma City, 9-10 seed versus San Antonio. I could definitely so see if that. You had, so if you had – and I'm not going to use the violence, but if you had no choice but to pick one of those teams to at least get into the playoffs, who would be your pick? Of, of the Spurs or Oklahoma City? Mm-hmm. I'm going with Oklahoma City. Okay. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I definitely, I definitely feel like – I feel like I feel like Oklahoma City is trending towards high probability play in 7-10 range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. So I can see the Spurs sneaking and getting that tenth uh, seed, possibly because I always feel like the Spurs. Um, I feel like the Spurs always find a way. They to... don't play losing basketball. By exactly, their, their coach doesn't. It's not. They like don't believe in that white flag. Who, yeah, he's he's not rolling them out there to play a style that's going to lead to them not giving themselves a chance to be successful. So I think when you have that from get-go, like they're not out there playing this risky, I told you nobody's allowed to take mid-range jump shots. You know, they're going to go out and get good shots. Their system leads towards them playing a style that makes them competitive. Now, are Mm -hmm. their players as individual talent going to be good enough to take them over the top and win these tough games? That's another thing to be said. Because you got Devin Vassell who... He makes shots, but he takes a lot of bad ones. You got yeah, but they also they paid, him, they paid him like they got he's got right. to figure it out. 
Right, and and you got Calvin Johnson. But see, here's the thing: San Antonio pays people, and and they're 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 almost like Miami. They'll pay you and trade you. So yeah. you know, just ask, just ask, uh, ask our boy Dejounte Murray how that go. You know, mm-hmm. he he apparently was quote unquote too old for their <laughs> for their timeline. But if you have him on that team, you already have your lead guard mm-hmm. right now, right now. But it was an asset move. You know, because I don't think there's anybody on that San Antonio roster who necessarily replaced them. It's just they replaced his style. So now you've got mm-hmm. Jones, who's more of a facilitator, who's not going to look to take a lot of shots. So he can go ahead and defer to a Devin Vassell. He can defer to a Kelvin, Kelvin Johnson. He's going to defer to um, Wimbenyama. So, you know, you, you, you created a different pecking order by being able to, again, addition by subtraction sometimes. But I didn't really intend for us to wrap up by talking about the San Antonio Spurs. That's probably what we're going to do. Because the next time we convene, I definitely wanted to be after we see um, a couple of these these uh, NBA tournament games. I'm interested. Yeah, let's see, let's see how that's going to look. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the climate on those is going to be. So the, the 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 NBA Cup games they start shortly. Um, I definitely want to see how this experiment rolls out. We definitely will spend some time when we have an opportunity on our next podcast to discuss some of the trends that the NBA just shuttered real quickly and quietly and didn't tell anybody about. I'm going to speak on them right now, but we'll actually talk about them on the next one. And those two trends are the All-Star game has gone back to East versus West, mm-hmm. and they are no longer playing to a game score. Mm. So, yeah. So just like that, you know, the NBA implemented some changes – and apparently the feedback didn't warrant them staying. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how these changes go because we also want to discuss some of these rule changes that they've implemented that haven't really been dealt with and we didn't really talk about, which is, you know, the flopping. Because I don't mm-hmm. feel like in these first few games that I've watched that they've really gone hard in enforcing. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to see if that just randomly has a spike like any other trend that they try to do has a spike. Like, remember, they got rid of the ball handler couldn't initiate contact. It would be an offensive foul when they came off of a screen. And, you know, mm-hmm. the Trey Young move where you jump back into the trailing defender. Yeah. So you get that shot and you could possibly make it. So it's, a, it's almost a guarantee and one. So they, they started calling that and then players stopped doing it. So I'm just mm-hmm. interested to see what's going to happen with the flopping because there have been four incidents that I've seen that were clear flops and nothing has happened yet. And nothing even happened to the players after the fact. And part of what the NBA was instrumenting was, hey, if we don't catch you on the court, we'll, we still, you know, we can still bang your pockets later. But I don't, I don't see that being in play yet. I think the NBA, they did a lot this offseason, and they're probably just trying to catch up to all of the things on their agenda. So it will be interesting to see when they decide to pick up and catch up on that. But on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Views from the Clutch. As always, it's a pleasure to be amongst y'all. We enjoy y'all support. If y'all would like to support us, y'all can do so by following us on any podcasting platform that we are hosted on, Spotify Music, Apple Music, Google Podcasts. We're everywhere. If you find us and you feel the time is available for you to leave us a review, we much appreciate it. Five stars is a lot. You can catch us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Instagram and Facebook. And on that note, I'm going to say peace. Peace.